Human need. What's our response and what did Jesus have to say about it? You might be surprised. Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 33. Today, we explore how Jesus listed every category of human need in a single parable. Right, and with uh, big expectations <laughs> on our episode today. So uh, how about we start by reading through that parable, if you wouldn't mind? Sure. We're referring to a parable that just about everybody knows, but you may not have looked at it quite this way. And this is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Mm -hmm. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you, or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, insomuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in naked, and you didn't clothe me sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, insomuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Mm. Okay, so based on the big uh, promise at the beginning, I know there's a question you must be dying okay. to ask. I count six physical needs, hunger, right. thirst, nakedness, a stranger in need, sickness, and imprisonment. Okay. There's no question these are serious needs, but right. I mean, I wouldn't say that addresses every form of human suffering. And you would be right at the... Um, surface of this, <laughs> uh, I'd say there's no question. So okay. before we move on, and, and I offer my um, explanation, let me let me just say this, is that uh, we can't spiritualize this to the point where there is no physical need. So we're going to start right from the gate saying, yes, these are physical needs. Okay. And as Christ followers, part of the mandate of responding to need is physical needs. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll start there. However, now we move on is that 
there is a far broader application. And this is where the Greek language and the English language kind of share something. We both love metaphor. Uh -huh. There's metaphorical meanings to a lot of words we have. And a lot of times the metaphor is actually deeper or more richer. powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, richer than, yeah. than what we said in the physical. And that's where we're going with this. All righty. Well, then let's take a look at the metaphors here. Okay. I'm just going to go down the list and describe what the ancient listener would have easily assumed. And you can yeah, add yeah, on. Yeah, we'll add on. Hunger. Okay. As we talk about hunger, uh, obviously we understand physical hunger. But in the metaphorical sense, it's a, a, a hungering for anything. Uh, when you have a deep need, a deep want... Uh, in the way that you're starving, mm -hmm. uh, that's what we're getting at with the metaphor. It's all about the extreme need or craving. Okay. On. Next would be thirst, which is similar. But... Uh, similar. And, and the thing I found, there's an acute desire that's involved here. Uh, and in, the, in that metaphorical sense that we're talking about, one of the, the best I heard a scholar say, I love the way he said this, they say, it's also meant... Um, a soul that is desperate for refreshing. Mm, a soul oh, like desperate that. for refreshing. Mm, yeah. That's so, nice. Indeed. Okay. Naked. Naked. And, uh, and, and I find that you've never had these dreams, I say. <laughs> I have, I've never had. As if, and but they always mean the same thing. If you don't have clothes on in a in a dream, there's a vulnerability. Mm -hmm, makes and, sense. And and uh, in the metaphorical sense, that's you're laid bare before others they they can see you uh in ways that maybe you don't want to be seen so the vulnerability is there mm -hmm. uh, a secondary meaning in the greek was um the idea of something that's just a mere seed like it could be so much more but it's the seed not the, not the, the plant. plant itself yeah. oh cool um stranger stranger is is a powerful word especially uh, you know, when you think of ancient times, people traveled, but not like they do today. Mm -hmm. So a stranger was really strange in a lot of cases. That's Didn't happen where, very often. Yeah, that attend especially a small village or something. Mm -hmm. So someone who's alien, who's a foreigner, uh, who is someone unheard of or, or does things new or different. Mm -hmm. The basic idea of stranger is somebody who just doesn't fit in culturally or socially. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. Sick. Um, sick. It's interesting. The word sick can also be used to um, denote poverty or being poor. The yeah. idea with sick, besides the obvious being sick, is it weak or feeble in any sense, but powerless or uh, impotent in a way that is not just physical, but um, powerless in some way. Yeah. Okay, the last one mentioned here, uh, prison. Prison, yep. Mm. Which literally, guardhouse, it's there. The idea of a place where people are held captive, mm. metaphorically, uh, people are held captive. Uh, sometimes they, like you you were discussing earlier, you're saying people make their own prisons. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you hold yourself captive. But it's the idea of being caged or held. Right. And like 
we were talking, I can see how that works. A person can hunger for freedom or hope or something else mm -hmm. beyond the physical. Yeah, so. as a matter of fact, I mean, Jesus used that, uses the words this way directly himself. He says, you know, in the Beatitudes, yeah. he says, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Right. Mm -hmm. It almost seems that hunger implies a painful need. And thirst seems more like deep longing yeah I, and I, that's kind of the nuance i picked up on too i don't know if it's just us <laughs> but it does seem to be that way is that hunger is the, the the deep craving the starvation so a deep need versus a desperate hope i guess is the way i hmm. might put it so. interesting i imagine ancient greek implies the same thing as our english nakedness is to be left open and vulnerable, vulnerable. like in your dreams. Like in my dreams. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Like having your dignity stripped away. Stripped away, away yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, and that's one I think in the digital age, we really understand that idea of being left naked before the world is yes. uh, people, there's um, revenge postings that mm. here's so and so and not a very good moment. Mm -hmm. They would rather the. Uh, forget about it, but yet here it is exposed to the world. Kids um, in school, I guess. Uh, yeah, it can younger be very, and younger. Yeah, that's happened. Brutal. Yeah, yeah, it can be brutal. So that idea of being uh, stripped of your dignity is is, is we understand. Right. Um, so. Stranger is an interesting word. Xenos. <coughs> that must be where we get the word xenophobia. Yeah, xenophobia, and we and you know. Xenophobia simply means other races, no matter what they are, mm -hmm. uh, being uh, a fear or hatred of those races. So, uh, yeah, that's the dark side of the this use of the word xenos. Mm -hmm. So to be a stranger, uh, it implies quite a bit. And, of course, oh, there's a lot of backstory on that. We'll get into it in a little bit. All right. And then there's sick. When, it, when you consider the idea of powerless, that opens up to... All kinds of need, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, um. as far as uh, being powerless, uh, and remember, in the ancient cultures, no, there was no Medicare. There's no social, uh, you know, welfare right, type system. Right. So, if you were chronically ill, you became invisible, and you became. Uh, people that uh, le could least yeah. <laughs> really afford to be in that position. It uh, yeah. just gets worse and worse. Right. <laughs> you were at an extreme social disadvantage and imprisonment was much the same. Right. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind to me, other than physical prison, is is addiction. Yeah. Addiction to me is, is too, is one of those things. And when you consider just of all the ways you can build your own prison, addiction is just one mm. and the spectrum because on one hand you have people who say eat for comfort and, yeah. and they're addicted and in the same vein you have people who who uh, will cut and um, right. uh, do things to cause themselves pain so it's interesting you can be addicted to comfort and you can be addicted to discomfort right. and of course there's substance abuse in there right and beyond addiction, people are held captive to all kinds of things. They right. get, you know, ignorance, right. guilt, and shame. I mean, they're all yeah. other facets of that. Uh, yeah, there are just other prisons, people. And, and of course, ignorance uh, is an incredible prison. Mm. Uh, and, and it all fits with the fundamental view of Judeo-Christianity is that at the at the end of the day, what it is, we're a fallen race. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a fallen world, 
So not surprising we fall into all kinds of traps and end up captive to all kinds of things. So, right. yeah, it's, it's a very big spectrum. Looking at all the meanings of the words really gives insight into the broad spectrum of human need. And Jesus, right. of course, is implying all of them in this uh, parable. That's right. He was talking about needs, and the response was to give or not give. So how does a Christ follower give? Yeah, how do we give in, in this broad spectrum of needs? And like we said in the beginning, if you look at it, we didn't mention every, Jesus didn't mention every need in detail, but he mentioned through those six things, every category of human need. It's it's quite phenomenal. Right. Uh, but before we, uh, you know, really even get into the idea of how we give, it's probably a good point to pause and look at why it's so important to God that we do give, you know, from his perspective. Right. The parable uses some very strong language. Right. Um, on one hand, those who give not only inherit the kingdom of God, they inherit a kingdom prepared for them even from when the world was formed. And on the other hand, those who don't give are mm -hmm. cursed. I mean, Jesus gives no middle no, ground. No, no middle ground. And None of the other. <laughs> and, and like I said, it's pretty interesting. The word cursed, like the one definition I found in the transliteration of that word uh, mm. is doomed. And inherit is mm. a destiny and doomed is a destiny. Yeah. So um, it, it kind of sets where you go. So when you say there's no middle ground, it's quite literal. You go, <laughs> it takes you right. one destiny or another. Right. So, you know, I think there's a really solid reason why he sees it so important. Mm. And once again, I'll promise we'll get into that a little uh, bit later. But first, um, let's look into that. You, let's okay. go back to your original question of, of response and giving. Once again, let's just follow the parable <clears throat> and down on through the list. For hunger, Jesus simply says, you gave me food. Right. So I'm assuming there's a metaphor implied in the responses as well. Right. I mean, if starvation is metaphorical, and you can be starving for a lot of things. People are starving for love. Uh, people are starving for companionship. Um, they're starving for rightness in life. There's a lot of things you can be starving for. Mm -hmm. So in the Christ follower, it's... The idea of, of uh, we discern through the Holy Spirit what someone is starving for and then uh, feed with that particular starvation in mind. Right. Okay, one thing we said about thirst was the need to refresh the soul. And that brings a few things to mind. A soul can be emptied by exhaustion or anxiety or despair or, or a number of other things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so... So how does that work? Yeah. Um, you know, of all the uh, responses of giving, the one to thirst, I thought was uh, I thought it was the cutest anyway, one of the most <laughs> interesting, because the the transliteration of the word was actually drink eyes. Like drink eyes. Uh, you're thirsty. I'm <laughs> going to drink eyes you, so you feel better. And and that word uh, pot did so. Uh, means the literal to give a drink, like to hydrate someone okay. or to irrigate, irrigate thirsty land. But metaphorically speaking, the thing that really struck me, I loved it, what they said was to saturate the mind. Ooh, I love so, that too. you know, whatever you're thirsty for, you're 
pouring onto that mind yeah. uh, whatever that, it needs. That's a great mental picture. Yeah, A yeah. person thirsting for relief and you saturate their mind with God's hope and truth. Right. Just pouring uh, it on, baby. You, you know what that sounds like? What? It sounds a lot like discipleship. Well, go figure. <laughs> we caught... We're called to mentor the thirsty. Yeah, there's a there's one to have, huh? Yeah. Mentor the thirsty, but that's a good um, sign. Uh, I I'm impressed, so impressed by Jesus as, as all of this implication that even discipleship comes into the parable that you you wouldn't think of on the surface. Right, the right. Amazing stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and um, as we look on on the stranger, of course, the term you took me in. Once again, it's a loaded term. And another one I love because uh, the definition of it is t to lead with oneself. So, you know, I have this. There's all kinds of good. Yeah. Good you you can see it, can't you? There, yeah. You're standing in a doorway and you say to someone, follow me, come this way yeah. to lead with oneself. So. Oh, I really like that. So this is talking about hospitality and action and to lead with oneself sounds very personal as well. And, well, it's intentional now. Yeah. I know this is when we're going to get into that story. Right. Uh, as far as it goes, um, it, it's very, th there's a lot of strength from both the Greek and the Hebrew side on this. Mm -hmm. And in this particular term, to take in a stranger, um, in, in let's start with the Hebrew side because... Right. Jesus, a Hebrew speaking to Hebrews, but they are also understand Greek language culture. Mm -hmm. In Judges, going old time Hebrew, Judges <laughs> 19 and 20, there's a story of unimaginable scandal. I mean, it's just, you know, worthy yeah. of the papers today. Yeah. Um, uh, the basic story is there's a man traveling. He's getting back with his, his wife. They're, they decide they're going back home from the in-laws. Um, uh, they end up in, in the dark or getting close to dark. They they do what Jewish people do. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, that was the idea of a town square at the time was um, they, there was a duty to take care of, right. of fellow travelers or right. fellow Jews. So when you came to the town square, somebody was to show you hospitality. You got to stay at their home. It was a big deal. It was your duty to mm -hmm. your fellow Jews. So this guy is going along doing what Jewish people do. Mm. And so there he is. And nobody's showing any hospitality. They're in the land of, of Benjamin. Uh, people are ignoring him. Mm. So then oh, uh, along comes good guy. Um, that's not his name, but that's what we'll call him. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes them home. He and, and, you know, they're having a good time and his hospitality and then all the men of the city, it says, came to his door, banging mm -hmm. on it, wanting to rape this traveler, the rape the man. So the men wanted to rape the man. Uh, <clears throat> they end up uh, grabbing his wife. Um, they assault her until dawn. She dies from, from mm -hmm. the attack on her. Uh, it's just, it's horrendous. So this sounds kind of horrendous to us, but what the, the man does is proof. He the, the, his, takes his, his wife, who is, is now dead, uh, di dismembers her, sends parts of her to all the corners of Israel as evidence. Look what happened in the city. Mm -hmm. Not only did they not show hospitality, they, they did this horrible violence to a fellow Jew who was traveling. Mm. And so Israel as a whole was so outraged. 
of course they 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 destroy the city down to the last person. Yeah. Um, they they were ready to um, do away with the tribe of Benjamin, and luckily there was um, the cooler heads prevailed ultimately. But it almost cost an entire tribe um, the, their existence because of this one city. Mm -hmm. So that's how seriously they took this whole hospitality of taking in a stranger. Wow. So. Okay. That was the Hebrew side. The Hebrew side. Oh. <laughs> yeah. How about the ancient Greek side? Well, the ancient Greek side is interesting. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as the Hebrews. Um, the Greek side, what, the first thing that amazed me when I was doing some of this research is there is actually no direct translation of the word generosity. So uh, that was interesting. You had uh, Norma read a passage, and it was a paraphrase, right. and he used a word. But there is that word doesn't really exist. What does exist is uh, as we what we would call elements of generosity. The Greeks had divided into at least three different categories, and each one had its own term. And okay. of course, in this one, there's a particular term um, that fits in. And the word, you, you already hit on it, xenia is the word. Mm. And the Greeks, be, even before ancient Greeks, before uh, even the, the Christian world, they saw piety in hospitality. It was if you were a virtuous person, mm -hmm. this goes back to Aristotle, if you were a virtuous person, uh, you would be hospitable and, and uh, reciprocal. Prosody was part of it. Like, okay. if you borrowed your Greek lawnmower from your neighbor, <laughs> you know, you would give it back filled with gas, that type of right. thing, you know. Right, right. Um, so they were very big on this. And why they were big on it was a, a myth, uh, mythology that they had called Theoxenia. And now, oh, well. now <laughs> I think you're you're Greek enough in your understanding. It, so guess what zeo or a theo xenia would mean. If xenia means hospitality and theo means god or deity, then it must be providing hospitality to the god somehow. Somehow, yeah, that's it. And and so this is the word that gets used in with what Jesus is saying. And pretty much this is how it happened in the, in the mythos of it is uh, in presenting hospitality was um, this fellow uh, was showing hospitality and it was humble strangers. The more humble a stranger, the better in, in, <laughs> in this whole thing. So he was showing hospitality to humble strangers who turned out to actually be the gods. And so without knowing, he was entertaining um, deity in disguise. Okay. Mm. Well... So Jesus is using the cultural force of Jewish history and Greek culture in one sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess it's not surprising that the idea comes up again in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittingly, where am I, entertained angels. <laughs> entertained angels. And you might say, no, it's not that... Um, you know, in the Hebrew scripture there, uh, or the scripture of Hebrews, they're stealing from from uh, a Greek mythos. The idea is they're speaking to Hebrews and Greeks, and so they mm -hmm. borrow their own heart language to pr provide a message. But that's where it comes from, mm -hmm. this whole idea of uh, um, uh, theo theoxenia. Um, 
so that 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 deals with hospitality and generosity to to taking in the stranger right as we were talking taking in the stranger so then we can move on to sick and imprisoned uh, it, it really even in the same sentence because we're reading from Matthew, but if you continue where you're reading in right. Hebrews, Hebrews thirteen three, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Now this this I found really interesting too from Jesus, and from what Hebrews is getting at here because when you read it, depending like if you read certain versions of of uh, Matthew 25, this whole sheep and goats thing. Mm -hmm. They use one response for the sick and the, and the imprisoned. But there, he actually says two things, and they sound the same in English, but they actually mean two different concepts in the original Greek. Hmm. Uh, and I'll give you the example or okay. fill it in a little bit. For sick, now, it, it's kind of a long Greek word that <laughs> I won't even attempt to say it. But I love the meaning behind the term, take, to take them in. Uh, or, I'm sorry, that was stranger. For, for the sick, it is to visit me. I okay. was sick, you visited me. Right. And that term that they had meant to make note of someone or to see someone. We'll just start there. Remember, we said if you were sick, you know, like the guy begging at, at the pool, of Bethesda or whatever. He was sick and he didn't get seen. <laughs> he, he didn't get seen. You're, you're sick, you're invisible. Right. Uh, you know, if you're disabled, you're invisible. Mm -hmm. This starts by saying, and with this term, you saw me. You, you saw me. Mm. Uh, and so, and you took note of me. But even further in the term is not just to see or take note. It's to see or take note of the person in order to help, to benefit, mm. or to care for. So it's a really big deal uh, in seeing the invisible with mm -hmm. the idea of taking care of them, the socially invisible. Yeah. Um, and also judged. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like we said, if you were sick, they'd think God was punishing you that you had done some great wrong. That yeah. That's yeah. why you were sick. So you were invisible and judged at yeah. the same time. It was a pretty oh, nasty man. idea. Yeah. Uh, and in prison, the different term that was used there, he says, okay, you're sick. You visited me. Mm. In prison, you came to me. And came to me is, if this term was interesting in the, in the original Greek, it meant uh, to come before the public or to become known uh, when you go. So the impression, maybe it's just me, but the impression it gave me is like, there's somebody who's convicted, they're in prison, you're not coming in the back door, you're going in the front door, letting everyone know that this is a friend of yours, and you're not, you're not disassociating, you're, you're, you're letting the world know. That, that, that's mind-blowing. Yeah. Revolutionary. I mean, in a time of Roman occupation, it was dangerous to associate with anybody that, yeah. you know, convicted. And, of course, the, there would be the stigma of befriending, the, you know, the, the bad, bad person. person. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it makes you think of Paul. So, like, Paul makes special note of who comes in, who visited him in, in, in the prison yeah. in Rome because... You know, if you're going to visit someone, they're in prison because they're a Christian. You're a Christian coming to visit a Christian. I mean, that's yep. that's bravery. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the idea of doing it publicly, uh, it was just 
not an ordinary thing. The yeah. average person wouldn't do it. Yeah. And so this level uh, that Jesus is talking about, something the world. Huge. It's yeah. Big stuff. <laughs> yeah. It, it takes note because that's yeah. not the way the world works. Yeah. We, we noted in the beginning that it was an all or nothing kind of thing. Mm. The giver inherits God's kingdom and the non-giver is cursed. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Yeah, as far as giving, why why is that important? It's so important to God, uh, and like we said earlier too, in this giving, no giving, it actually set up destiny. You know, mm -hmm. a destiny to inheritance or a destiny to doom. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And and I know we went on. It's kind of a fire hose. We went on <laughs> with a lot of information that way. So just two things. We'll try and make it quick on this. And the first goes to a line. Um, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, <clears throat> starting with my brethren, it's kind of, who's my brother? Mm -hmm. And the idea in the language, you, you could be literally talking about somebody like you mm -hmm. or your actual brother, but it can also mean all mankind. Right. <laughs> so, And that is probably where Jesus was speaking here. Yeah. And I think I actually had it kind of backwards for years. I'm beginning to feel that way in my old age. How so? Well, in this way is that, uh, is that he says, the least of me. So I was thinking that you start with the least and work your way to the most, as in hmm. I'm on the right track if I look at the least. But I'm beginning to wonder if he didn't mean it the other way around, where you you start with the obvious. Mm-hmm. And don't stop until you're all your way down to the least, you know, that that yeah. uh, the other way around in, in direction. I think I know what you mean. Like, it's pretty easy to care for the needs of somebody who's likable or mm. righteous person, especially if their need is popular. Yeah, too. all I mean, popular yeah. need, yeah. yeah. But it takes... Special kindness to care for those who are the least lovable and least, pop, you know, popular and... Yeah, well, it, it it is very much in our day. It's no different. I mean, you know, somebody right. there's a big popular cause. It seems like every celebrity will be on it, right? Yeah, yeah. But how about the invisible? How about the person who's not lovable? Yeah. Or the person or the 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 need that's not socially popular? Yeah. Then it takes some serious intentionality to do that. Yeah. And and when it takes intentionality, then that means. There must be a good reason to do it. And the good reason that is offered here is, is, look, Jesus is saying, when you go after the invisible, when you go after the unlovable and you take care of those needs, then you're seeing me, you're doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So it becomes very personal. So there is a big reason that giving in the broad sense is important. Okay, you mentioned two. That's the second one. Yeah. And as far as the second one, of course, all of what we're talking about lately is spawned from looking at the formation of the church. We're in right. Acts chapter 2. Looking and at, at that puzzle. <laughs> yeah, the puzzle. Looking like the picture on the box. Mm. And in that, where we are down around uh, uh, 41 in through 45, all of a sudden we're, we're reading all this good stuff going on. And people start selling stuff and giving to those as they are in need. Mm. So... Giving becomes a real big thing in the formation of the church. And and if you look at it, it's it's not out of duty. It's what the people are becoming. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. They they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's a whole new nature going on. And in the new nature, the new believers are taking on new actions. Mm. And as I I was um, in the research somewhere in all of this stuff, came across a great line that really I I paused and thought uh, was simply this, is you are what you do most. You are what you do most. And I got thinking about that. And I said, yeah, that's kind of true. Like if you take a, a, any given week and somebody's like mm-hmm. angry for, you know, shutting up people for six days out of the week. And then one day they have a good day and they're being really nice. Mm-hmm. They're an angry person who had a good day. Right. <laughs> On the other hand, you could have somebody who's hospitable and loving and everything six days. And then they just had a really bad day. And man, you didn't want to talk to them that day. Well, they are a hospitable person who had a bad day. So right. you are what you do most. It just made sense. Yeah. So Jesus is really talking about what people are, what what they do most, and um, uh, how we respond, how we give to needs, it, it then becomes what we are. Mm-hmm. Now, we put it in the parable, and he says, when you've done this to the least, you've done it to me. So we're talking about people who the most see a need that is Jesus and see Jesus in the need, and then they take care of it. So that's who they are. They're Jesus people. The other people who do not give, do not see, you know, so they are not Jesus people. So then it begins to make sense is um, why would you inherit the kingdom of God if you have no real connection to God? That's not who you are. Mm. Okay, so how you give tells who you are. Mm-hmm. Who you are is where you're going, kingdom or curse. That's kind of our takeaway today. Yep, yeah, uh, and well said. Yes, uh, you go where you are. Yeah, and uh, and of course, like we said in the beginning, it's uh, one, it's inheritance or doom. So it's a mm. destiny. Yeah. Okay, on to our song to end. Um, it's a very special one today. It's a classic, Thank You, Lord, by Don Moen, released mm-hmm. in 2004, but with a twist. With a you'll twist. Get, you'll see. It's so yeah. It is cute. That's our <laughs> only spoiler alert. It's cute. So here's Thank You, Lord, our highlighted praise song from last Sunday at Canaan. May you see Christ in the needs around you this week, and until next week, be blessed. See ya. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Say, would you join me in some prayer? Would you join me with the prayer? All right. Now you can go for it. God, we love you so much that you're just our king. We love you so much that makes us proud that when you save us, we love you too because we give you kisses like we love you in your heart. You're in our heart. I come before you today And there's just one thing that I want to say Thank you, Lord
witch that makes us proud that when you save us, we love you too because we give you kisses like we love you in your heart. You're in our heart, you're in our bodies, you're in our soul. You're God the King, you're your real dad. You have chosen us. We love you. Amen. <laughs> You can watch Word for the Week at CanaanCommunity.org. You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.